0: Hey guys, Sklar Brothers here from View from the Cheap Seats podcast. And this week we have... One of the best sports writers in the game, and he's got a great podcast as well. Jonah Carey joins us on the podcast. Did you have fun on View from the Cheap Seats, Jonah? I had the most fun, and my commute was about 14 steps down to my living room. We did it in your living room. We're in Denver. It's a little road. uh, I'm going to call it a road victory for us all. all There's no one I want to talk to more than who right now during these baseball playoffs than Jonah Jonah Carey. Carey. So join us on this episode because we take the deepest dive. Let me just say there is a... Three a, Mordecai three-finger three finger, brown reference. There you go, that's And it by there. the way, Gar Reines is not here. I'm kissing him. I'm, I'm giving a shout-out now. I feel like he always needs to be at least in spirit. when we Love talk. to the batting stance yes. guy. Guys, I want to tell you about a great sponsor I have, Bompas. They're premium, high-performance athletic socks, and they're so comfortable you're never going to want to take them off. And because socks are the number one requested I in homeless shelters for every pair of socks purchased, Bompas donates one pair of those to those in need. Almost 1 million pairs donated to date, 15% off the first purchase of four or more socks, plus free shipping. So go to getbompus.com feral and buy some comfortable socks. Feral Audio. Hello, and welcome to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. Uh, thank you for listening to my show. If you like my music, there, that's a band called Les Blanks. Go to lesblanks.com, check out more of their stuff. If you haven't listened to my show before, thank you. It's, uh, you know, it's a, I, I have a loosey-goosey, free-formed conversation. I talk to a lot of artists, writers, musicians, uh, sometimes former Black Panthers or dudes from the Weather Underground. I talk to a lot of interesting people. I tend to talk to creative sorts, but well, once in a while, I veer into something like uh, uh, Dennis Cunningham, who was a uh, civil rights lawyer, and you should find that episode. It's really super interesting. He represented a lot of people, um, like the Black Panthers. Anyway, uh, today, my guest is Carolyn Gehrig. She is an artist. She has a connective uh, tissue disorder, and um, it's uh, and she's she does this art where she does photos of herself in... Uh, hospital waiting rooms and doctor's offices and whatnot and uh, she's very interesting it's a very great conversation as they all are so uh feel free to go back and check out some of my archives and other uh guests I've had like Wayne Kramer or Dave Bazan from Pedro the Lion Lori Lipton a fabulous artist or uh you know listen to all of them that's all I'm telling you Uh, I'm a little hectic. I just drove from the west side of Los Angeles, which I hate. I'm also kind of talking quiet because my wife is watching Parenthood in the next room. And I feel like if I'm too loud, uh, she'll hear my stupid opening jokes, which I don't know if I have any today. I just, uh, life is hectic, you know? The bar I'm working at is closing. There's a baby on its way. And here's the thing they don't tell you about, uh, you know, how they say you lose a lot of sleep when you have a baby they don't tell you about how much sleep you lose uh during the pregnancy cuz your wife suddenly is really gassy <laughs> uh there's a lot of farting i fart a lot so there's a lot of farting it's like a it's like a marching band around here but it's just like a saxophone and a trombone just all around the house um so it's been uh, a lot of cra- and, uh, and people people keep asking us what we want to have baby wise and I'm like I want a transgender baby, you know I want to have a sweet cute daughter until she gets into those mid teen fingering years that to, to the years that she could get fingered and then boom she identifies herself as a man or a boy and then no fingering, and I think it's I think that's technically safe, you know and I want. I know that's the chances of that happening are pretty slim, so I think if i if I can have like something um have something i'll refer to my baby as something if I could have a baby that's a nerd, you know nerds don't that's when you get in trouble when you when you're when I have a kid that wants to be cool, because cool kids don't like themselves, they just want to belong, and that's when they start doing drugs and and smoking cigarettes and those <laughs> you know or Sending pictures of their tits on the internet. Nice nerd kid. They just want to know how lava is made. And, you know, that's it. That's not a lot to ask for. A nerdy kid. Plus, you know, nerds, they'll date other nerds. And nerds, they'll do the research before they have sex. So at least, you know, my nerd daughter's nerd boyfriend will know where the clitoris is. <laughs> he'll he'll research and make pleasure. You know, hopefully after she's out of the house and 18. Is this weird that I just talked about? My, I mean, did, did, for people to tell you that you're not going to think about your kids' sex lives is absurd because my, I don't even know what the sex of my baby is yet, and I'm already worried about it knocking somebody up or getting knocked up. That's uh, Maybe that's my neuroses. I don't know, but that's how I feel. I think I enough of my sexual fears um, anyway so let's uh, get on to this this is a great episode oh real quick if you can donate uh, money to my podcast go to theferralaudio.com go to the conversations with Matt Dwyer page donate some money or use the Amazon link to donate To anytime you buy anything on Amazon we get a kickback of that and you can help feed my goddamn baby you know to you know, or just donate money and help me feed my goddamn baby uh, and follow me on Twitter the Matt Dwyer or go to themattdwyer.com you can find my Twitter feed. Follow me. Um, all right. This is Carolyn Gehrig. Thank you. Now I don't. This, I don't know if this is a weird place to start, but this you have a disease. Is yes, it a disease?
1: Well, it's a connective tissue disorder.
0: Disorder. That's different than a disease, right? Um, I feel like disease is antiquated.
1: Sure. Although it is progressive, so disease would be appropriate as well.
0: And for the people who don't know what that disease is, it does, Zach, is is that? The, Mandy has it. She has it as well.
1: Yes. And that's actually how I met her because we, um, we both have it and we... Both have this activist streak in us. We're both like, "Let's change everything." So um, we met on Twitter and started um, communicating, and then decided to meet. I think I had an extra brace or something, and I was like, "Oh, I'll give it to you." And I met her, and then we started hanging out a lot. What exactly is we get along?
0: <laughs> She's—they're both unique. I mean, Zach's been on—he's a uh, unique. Yeah, it, he's got a. Huge brain, and it, I think it moves maybe a hair too quickly for most people to keep up with.
1: Well, we get along pretty well.
0: <laughs> I wasn't implying you were, couldn't keep up with him.
1: No, no, no. Zach and I argue quite a bit, but we get along very well.
0: What do you guys argue about, just out of curiosity?
1: Anything? Everything? Because The pronunciation all... of Beyonce's name. He says it's Beyonce. I say it's Beyonce. I would say it's Beyonce.
0: I don't hear much of a difference. Am I insane? Oh, is it where you're emphasizing?
1: Well, Beyonce. He says Beyonce.
0: Oh, he just says Beyoncé? He says Beyonce. He's way off.
1: He is way off. No
0: one says beyond. No one he's says Beyoncé. a contrarian is what he's doing. That's basically it. Okay. So, this what exactly is this disorder, so if people don't know what it so is? So,
1: it's a connective tissue disorder um, that is a collagen defect um, that they're finding out more and more about every day. And the reason I say that is because every time uh, somebody talks about Ehlers-Danlos in the media, uh, somebody who has ehlers downloads goes, you're explaining it all wrong, uh, which is something that I used to do too. Um, so it's a collagen defect that basically, um, means that we can't really regenerate collagen and everything, uh, falls apart. So, um, basically, uh, I can pop my joints out of place. Um, they'll sublux and dislocate, um, like my dog, uh, he just kind of pressed on my shoulder earlier, and he knocked it out of place.
0: Is, is, I'm assuming that's incredibly painful?
1: It is. However, since I live with chronic pain, um, my, my average pain is between like a four and a six on a regular basis. Like, I can't really conceptualize that there are people walking around um, not in pain. That's completely crazy to me.
0: So, like, if you just suddenly out of nowhere like i had that level of pain you'd be like i'd be like mother my day is miserable right
1: yeah and that's just normal and that's for me. every that's day actually, for... a four is a really good day for me yeah
0: where does it range between four and
1: like a four and a six or seven actually lately it's been a little bit higher because i've had some other problems come up um so i mean lately i'd say it's between like a five and an eight um because uh my hip has been coming out of place a little bit more often lately. Um, and I've had some more neck pain, and my shoulder, my hand, my hand is a little bit messed up today, which is why I'm wearing a few more braces in between my. Um,
0: I, I'm not, I mean, they must get mistaken for jewelry quite a bit. Yes, they do. Because <laughs> they are, they're not like, uh, they're, you don't look at those and go, that's a brace. It no. looks sort of jewelry-ish.
1: Yeah, they're silver ring splints, um, and they look very similar to um, jewelry that you'll see a lot nowadays. Um, And I think part of that is because I think jewelry designers tend to go with what um, is intuitive and what makes sense with the body. And I think that people, as they use handheld devices, um, are, I don't know, will tend to favor things that make sense. And so if you're using a handheld device uh, kind of like those um the gloves with the um with the fingertips so that way you can use them and you don't have to take them off right. in the winter right so kind of like those gloves um i think they're probably designing more rings that have stabilization for the fingers so that way like people with carpal tunnel don't have issues
0: yeah because i mean I, I i i'm imagining that the you know smartphones and all this bullshit we're not really seeing the full effects of what that's going to do to because like my thumb hurts and is weird and like i think right. over decades people are going to be really fucked up by this stuff
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> um i mean i can take this off and i can show you what happens to my fingers oh my so, goodness yeah so that's does I mean, that, that, that hurt a little it hurts right now which is why i'm wearing the extra brace uh or the extra ring as a brace uh in between the two but yeah i mean this isn't really a finger that i use that much so
0: the one next to it. I'm assuming you use apparently. I do. I do use <laughs> my middle fingers a
1: lot. I flip people off like crazy.
0: I've been finding myself doing that a lot lately, and I'm like, and dri- I'm beginning to get angry when I drive, and I think I'm, I think I'm projecting <laughs> other things that are going on into my life, and from not the baby or none. Of, <laughs> right. I'm saying fuck you to my baby when I get mad at. But um, now, what the? What is the level of pain? That you will have, does it, is it a thing that is going to progressively get more painful over years?
1: Yes, but it also gets better at different times. Um, there are parts of my condition that have gotten worse, and um, I've had other diagnoses kind of piled onto it as uh, parts of my internal organs have um, gotten worse because it is a connective tissue disorder. It does affect, um, my brain and my stomach and my lungs and my heart and all of my veins. Um, uh, there was a point a couple of years ago where, uh, I had an aorta aneurysm. Um, that was stressful. Um, I, it looks like I might be starting to have gastroparesis, which is, um, when your stomach just kind of stops functioning and you stop being able to break down food, um, And nothing can kind of like go in or out. So there are some days when I can't really eat for a couple of days and I'll just be on liquids. Um, Other people have it worse. Um, I clearly don't have like a weight, (laughs) like my weight is not really dropping clearly. But, um, you know, it's worse for other people. It's, It's just kind of a thing that I've learned to live with though, because I was diagnosed in 2003 with... With Ehlers Danlos. And it was about a year ago that I got another diagnosis piled on, and I had more doctor's appointments than I had been dealing with in the previous couple of years. And um, there was a project that I was working on, and I was really excited about the project, but I had to kind of step away from it. And I was upset about having to step away from it. And there's a thing that most people who deal with chronic issues are used to, which is you just disappear, and you kind of become invisible. And um, and it's not invisible in the sense that people ignore you and they don't pay attention to you. It's just you drop out of social media, and you drop out of um, social events because you don't have the energy to go out, and you don't have the energy to like go to the show and say hi to people and um, just keep up with your social routines. Um, So I started taking photographs in hospital rooms kind of the same way that people take selfies of themselves anywhere, and I started labeling them hospital glam. Um, And then I kept posting them just kind of as a window into what I was doing. Um, Also because I didn't think that it should be anything that I should shy away from, Um, and partially uh, because I thought that they were – they were funny, and I liked them, and I liked recontextualizing my experiences in that way.
0: Did how did people respond to? Did people respond? How did they respond to it? Is, <laughs> I don't know why I started that three times.
1: <laughs> well, initially, um, I think because my face was in the photos, it was very different. Um, I noticed that in the beginning, I was f- uh, posting photos of the rooms that I was in with. Um, I was playing around with the location, because Cedars-Sinai is the hospital that I go to, and um, in the location drop-down, it's located uh, right by the Chanel Boutique, and so the Chanel Boutique was in the drop-down, and so I would frame up a really nice shot, and I would label it Chanel Boutique, um, because I thought it was funny, and I thought it looked good. but then people didn't really know how to respond to that because they knew that I was making a joke and they were my friends. And so they knew me. Um, and, uh, I've never really been one to like court in Instagram following or court like a social media presence because it's just not really me. Um, so, uh, the people who knew me knew me. Um, but I kind of felt like it asked them to put themselves in my position and, Nobody else is really ever in my position. They don't understand what I'm going through. And it's really uncomfortable because you can't really imagine what it's like to be in the pain that I'm in because you're just thinking like, oh, she's in a lot of pain. What is that like? But I mean, it's just my life. And like, I don't really know what your life is like. Um, I can't really experience your life ever. Um it's-
0: Pretty nonplus. so you <laughs> yeah. f- Thank yourself. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but there are parts of my life that are really like beautiful and fantastic and uh, pretty amazing. And I don't think that my life is kind of tragic because I have a disability. I think that um, my life is just kind of different, and I've made it very accessible. So I started framing it up so that way you could see me, and so it wasn't asking people to look through my eyes; it was asking them to look at me, which I think. Changes the
0: entire thing. It's interesting. Did Did you find that a lot of people didn't really responded to the news or the it differently? Because you, you said something specifically that was making me ask that. Like, uh, sorry if that's not <laughs> as no. clear as I was hoping. Like, I mean, people probably responded to the fact that you have this disorder differently. And I was wondering if that's part of the reason, maybe what triggered uh, your want to do these photos.
1: Well, most of the people in my life know that, or most of the people that I meet know that I have the disorder, or it's one of the things that I tell them right off the bat. Because if I like somebody enough to have more than a five-minute conversation with them, um, or or have to get through something with them at the grocery store... um, I will just tell them that I'm disabled and I have Ehlers Danlos and I, because it's just a normal part of my life and I don't think that there's anything wrong with it and I don't think that it's anything to be ashamed of. Um, uh, but the new diagnosis, um, I just wanted to, I don't know, I, I wanted to be comfortable with it. Um, I don't necessarily talk about what the actual diagnosis is because, not because, not because I'm weirded out by it or not because I don't want other people to be comfortable with it, but because I don't – I feel like there's so much else in invisible illness that um, needs to be shown. And I feel like there's so much about just being in a doctor's office that people are already uncomfortable with that I don't really want to talk about my personal um, my personal stuff um, because it – it's not really necessary because then people are imagining what is actually going on in my body and the bodily processes. And then, Oh, what would they do in this situation? And I don't know. That's not, it's just not my experience. Like, I don't want anybody else to put themselves in my shoes because you can't, you can never put yourself in another person's shoes ever. It's just impossible. You have to actually have that lived experience. You can only have your lived experience. And I think that that's important. Yeah, <laughs> I am Fun. I'm really fun. <laughs> have
0: you heard some of my shows? They get pretty, pretty.
1: <laughs> yeah, I have. Um, yeah, but um,
0: it's um, were you an artist prior to this, or was this sort of a yeah, cattle?
1: I went to RISD. Um, what I, is RISD? I'm not uh, the... Rhode Island School of Design. Oh, that's like For... a big
0: fancy one. Yes, um, that's like one of the bigger art schools, right?
1: Uh, it was the it was. Ranked number one when I went there. I it might still be. It probably is. I'm, well, a, I'm a good painter. I am actually a good painter. Zach Zach would tell you that. Yeah, painting is always he like might tell you that out of
0: I like I wish I could. To me, that's the most romantic, sort of, creative, thing. But that and like maybe jazz piano. Like it's like sure. you're covered in your you're covered in paint and you're sloppy and you're dangling a cigarette and there's like some wine. <laughs> And you're, you know, releasing your guts onto a canvas. Like that, to me, that's the image I create in my brain.
1: I guess so. I mean, that's not really the way that I worked, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, Who um, can say?
0: But did that, did this, did this start hindering your, because you said that's how I used to work? You used past tense.
1: Yeah. Um. My hands. As you can see, don't really work uh, in the same way. So I started doing other things. I started doing um, more collage, more perform- uh, more performance based work. Um, uh, I would integrate writing into my work um, and more photography, I
0: guess. When you were, what was it, what kind of stuff did you experiment with painting wise? Um, and did you have a cigarette dangling out of your mouth in a glass no, of red I've wine? I've actually never <laughs> smoked a cigarette. You don't have to inhale. Just, affects, just affectation. Just
1: hold it out of my mouth, <laughs> like a candy. Cigarette I'm just
0: basing all this on something. the Nick Nolte short in uh, New York Stories. My, <laughs>
1: uh, I would like to do a Nick Nolte. I would. That would be good. I should dress up as Nick Nolte yeah. sometime. That would be great. Yeah. My next doctor's appointment.
0: Oh yeah. Do you, are you doing things like that where it's different genres and? No, your... I mean I
1: just kind of wear what I feel like wearing that day. And then I go in, um, but I could certainly go into a celebrity thing sometime. I mean, it is Cedars; they wouldn't necessarily notice. I, I have some doctors who I know that I can get away with like a crazier outfit or like crazier makeup. Or, or I was at the I was at the doctors this morning, so. And this is <laughs> this is my face.
0: With the blue lipstick, because <laughs> the they can't lipstick. see you.
1: Right, they can't see me, so I'm wearing bright aqua lipstick, and so this is
0: and doctors are pretty straight-laced. how do they do they respond have you have you been like sprawled out in one of your photos and like Dr. Johnson comes strolling in
1: um yes actually and sometimes the doctors have been in the room for some of them um there was a nurse in the room when uh i was taking photos during my tilt table test and um i took a couple for my sleep study and the nurse who was getting me ready for that um and putting all the wires on my face she was looking at my lip colors and she was like, I think that you should go with the the red or the pink. And I was like, really? Cause I like this blue. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I think that this will be better with the wires. And she's like, I think that, um, she's like, I'll give you an extra five minutes. And she's like, you could do it both ways. <laughs> it was That's awesome. Funny. Yeah. Nobody has given me a hard time about it. Um, most nurses think it's cool. Um, doctors seem to be on board with it, um, but it doesn't really come into play during the appointment because they just want to make sure that they're not in the photo, which is great for legal reasons. Um, and I don't want them in the photo anyway, um, because yeah, it's, it's about not, you. It's really not about them. Yeah. Yeah, it's about me. It's about let's and let's face
0: it, most doctors are not attractive. That's a I myth. Have some cute doctors. Oh, do you? I will say that. Yeah. There's a do you ever flirt with the ducks?
1: Always, actually. Always. That. This is a secret for ER. This is what you should do in the ER. (laughs) People (laughs) Flirt with everyone, not in a creepy way, but you should just kind of flirt and talk to your nurses. And I feel like I'm going to get in trouble for saying this. But the more you flirt with doctors and nurses and kind of remind them in some sort of way that you're a person and that you're not just a body, um, the better your experiences are. In general, no, that makes sense. I mean, you don't have to sexualize, like, not flirt in a. Don't sexualize everything, but, um, yeah, just kind of remind everyone that
0: i are both human. I yeah. always try to, not like, because there's joking around that you always see the fucking asshole who's like, yay, hey, joking around. But I always like try to make things more entertaining and fun when I'm in those kind of situations, because it just like loosens everybody up and then they're like, it makes it a more pleasurable. Same as flirting, like, you're just making it more of a social thing. Right. Because I think we fucking forget that in society in general. We're just like, well, got to do this. This is the way. Like, And it's like, that's no fucking fun. Yeah. Even checking out at the grocery, you should be flirting or fucking around. A little bit, yeah. Nope. A whole 100%. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> How dare you contradict me? No, but I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, just make life more entertaining in general, which I think you're also doing with your, your art in this. You know, you're making it not such a...
1: No, it's not that dark. I mean, it... It can be dark, but it's really—it's not always that dark. One, I did a procedure recently where um, I did vomit and pass out during the procedure. You wouldn't know that from the photo, but I got to laugh uh, in the middle of it um, because it was funny, and I was making jokes with the nurse during it because that's who I am and that's how I get through things. Um, I don't know. And I'm I'm just used to it because that's my life. I mean, it's not it's not tragic. It's just a different life than other people have.
0: And and other people have been responding to this. Yeah. And doing their own photos? Yes. And how has that made you feel about it? Because you kicked this whole thing off and you were saying you and... and I'm Mandy. Mandy, Jesus. I hope he's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I, but anyway, like, I mean, you're both activists about this and that. That's got to feel good that it's causing a reaction.
1: It does. It feels really good. Um, It makes me very happy to see other people who are... um, I don't know. I look through their photos, and it makes me happy that they're able to go into the room and take up the space that they need to and feel comfortable in the doctor's office and not feel like it's this dark thing that is encroaching on them Um, for some people it's something that takes their mind off of what is about to happen for others it gives them the confidence to actually speak up to the doctor and to advocate for their own needs which is really kind of my goal with the whole thing I would really like people to do that more Um, and that's how I try to approach space in general you know I try to kind of find my place in a space and just make it my own be comfortable in it um and then other people just like to share what's going on with them and feel comfortable sharing it and just have a root into the common experience and find a community and all of those are valid ways to deal with this because you you just have to find a way to get through
0: it's interesting because and maybe this is just my own Lack of knowledge or whatever, but I haven't seen anyone do what you do artistically. And because I mean, the hospital room or the doctor's office are always intimidating and sterile and uncomfortable. And you're very vulnerable as an individual in these places. And to see someone sort of fuck with that is kind of refresh. I think it's like even if you, it's a relief for everybody <laughs> to a degree because you're like. No one thinks to be like, I'm going to pose all sexy in the place where this guy's going to finger my butthole soon.
1: Really? I mean, if you think of that, somebody fingering your butthole, th- you don't think about like it getting kind of sexy?
0: I'm not with a like, doctor. <laughs> not with a complete stranger. I that I mean, because like, well, when a doctor fingers my butthole, I'm just hoping he's not finding something bumpy in there. Oh,
1: my God. The first time that that ever happened to me in a doctor's office... Oh, I guess I'm going here. Um... <laughs> Uh, I went into the appointment and I didn't know that that was going to happen because it was with my general practitioner and he was my, f- he was a new doctor to me at the time and he had just taken over for this other doctor that i had had long term and he was kind of young and he was very cute and he- this is back in New York so I have not seen him in a couple of years and, um, I was wearing this really horrible old, um, Superman thong.
0: <laughs> this is awesome. And
1: he commented on it.
0: Really? Yeah. Is that a that little out of, of boundaries? I mean, I don't know. He just
1: kind of commented on it as he was like moving, and I was like, "Oh, this is mortifying." It was just a very funny moment that stuck with me, and I was like, "Oh, okay." I, I lower, mean, we're better underwear to the doctor's office.
0: I mean, I think if I, quite honestly, like if I had a female doctor and I found her attractive. And I had to strip naked in front of her. I would kind of in the back of my head going, "I hope she digs." Like I would be like, "I hope she." I mean, I know they see a lot of, but I mean, they're as not a just human, bodies. yeah, they're yes. not just bodies.
1: Yeah. They're never just bodies. Did... Everyone is a person.
0: And yeah. yeah, and if you're attracted to somebody, I I know, like, if even if you to remain clinical, I'm sure you're going, "That's a mighty nice vagina." Like, are <laughs> you right? I mean, that's just human nature. Maybe I, uh, I had a costume lady that I had to have a like a naked suit. Like, I had to make it look like I was naked, so I had to wear a very fleshy-looking thong that was very skimpy, and she asked—the costume lady asked me out later, and I was like, <laughs> I felt really—and quite honestly, I was bloated from a night of drinking, so I, w- I wasn't even at my best. But that was like, you know, and I'm—but like, your doctor, I think, was flirting with you a bit. Don't you?
1: Sure. I mean, who can say? Did you guys go out?
0: No. You sh- would you have gone out with him if he asked you?
1: No. I mean, because there, there are very strict rules there. I mean, there's a power structure. There's a power imbalance there. That's like, even the more
0: doctor. exciting. Like, I've wanted to fuck most of my female bosses.
1: I mean, yes. <laughs> even if but I wasn't like, attracted to him, there, there was a... but like, Oh, I would have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, y- you know, you can't actually do that. He also, he was a really good doctor. And I did. He was my doctor for many years. He was a great doctor.
0: Are you afraid he's going to listen to this?
1: No, he wouldn't listen oh. to this. Maybe he would. But did you... Oh, gosh. Hey.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, if you're uncomfortable. I'll email it to him. Yeah. I will. And then what if he asks you out now?
1: I think he's married.
0: Doesn't matter. What if you... he... <laughs> In these times? Um, I just really want you to date a doctor.
1: Oh, that would be great.
0: Yeah, then you can. You don't have to leave the house for your, you know. Is there rules about that? I mean, I know we're just got way off subject.
1: No, I think I could date a doctor. Uh, sure. Now we're. Now I'm just pondering doctors I would date. I don't it's know. It's classic. I don't know if I would do it. Ma- no. I I might do it. Um, I'm going to be speaking at a medical conference in the fall.
0: Do people get drunk at those things like they do in like? Yes. Do they really?
1: Yeah. There's going to be a happy hour for sure.
0: Did is have people reached out to you who have been inspired by this art who are also in in with this disorder? Yes, a lot of them. And are they doctors in an aer- No,
1: <laughs> no. But I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. no doctors. Uh, no doctors with ALS and But
0: how is that? How has that made you feel that you have? Because it's got to be in inspiring right and make you feel like fuck i'm doing something right
1: that's been really good um i also actually really like it when people uh criticize the project or when people write to me about uh things that they think i could be doing better um when they're valid things not when they're like i don't like your outfit or your lipstick is too bright because that's just gross and misogynist but um (laughs) i like it uh the, I like some of the backlash that I received early on, um, which. What was the backlash? The backlash was, uh, you look too good to be sick, which was kind of the point of the project, in some ways, um, because I don't look like a sick person.
0: Right. That's, and is was, and is that from guys?
1: No, it was from sick people. And from healthy people, but like she doesn't look like a sick person. If she can put on makeup or put on a dress, she can't be that sick. Um, dresses are easier to put on than pants. I mean, they just are.
0: I just i I don't know. I that's just a weird criticism to me. But also, like, I'm not surprised by any sort of criticism on the internet. And that's no. and I didn't want to like I hate focusing on negative things, but I'm like interested in.
1: Yeah. I mean, let's talk about it because I kind of love, I love it when that happens because it proves my point. It it proves why I'm doing this. It proves that there's a need for it. Um, And when I hear people who are sick say that, what I hear them actually doing is I hear them not feeling great about themselves and not feeling empowered enough in their spaces and in their treatment processes and feeling like they can be whatever they want to be or they can be themselves i feel like they are taken over by the illness and like they their bodies have been medicalized completely which is something that happens um i think er there's an arc that happens when you're diagnosed with something that is chronic and that for which there is no cure um like ehlers-danlos um In the first couple of years you kind of go through like a grieving period and then you're hoping that something's going to change and you're kind of adjusting to your life and eventually you have to accept it but coming to terms with your limitations is very difficult and um figuring out what you can do and figuring out that those things shift um is very difficult and As soon as you get used to what those limitations are and feel like you've got it, everything shifts again. Now here's the thing, when you're sick you don't realize that this is also happening to everyone around you who's healthy, it's just happening in a different way. And it's very hard to relate to the people around you who are healthy that it's happening to. Because they're having very traditional lives where they are having jobs and kids and families and grad school and things in in just a very normal way um, that you can hear about and post about where people don't automatically look at you and their faces fall and they go, oh my god, that's so tragic. Or so bad for you we can maybe we can run a fundraiser and everything will be okay and um i it's hard to relate like there's no dialogue about that um
0: that's funny i had a friend who got sick and uh he and he was like if anybody offers to throw a fucking fundraiser i'm gonna punch him in the face (laughs) because it's like such the People, I mean, I think people want to help, but it's also just like the whole, he didn't want to be, he's like, I'm fine. Like, it'll be, it's what it is.
1: Yeah. But also people want to help. They don't really know how to help. Um. But it's one of those things that when you get sick, you don't necessarily need the help immediately. You need the help kind of spread out long term. um, And you need it in like a sustainable, ongoing way. It's kind of like, it's kind of like disaster planning. You know, it's things like. Um, Haiti, or tsunamis, (laughs) it's just the same thing, but scaled down to your body.
0: How do, how should people offer to help? I mean, that's it, because it is, it's like, you deal with this day-to-day, and I'm sure there's, like, it's like anything, you, the the certain ways you hear people respond to it, or the questions they ask, you, there's got to be things where you're like, fuck this question again.
1: Oh, yeah, um, I... When people offer to help, uh, you can figure out really easily whether or not they actually want to help. Uh, and this applies to anyone at any at any point, whether you're sick or whether you're healthy. Um, people who actually want to help will give you a concrete list of things that they're willing to help with. Um, or if you say, actually, I could really use some help tomorrow, they will say, oh, I can't do that, but let me know some other time. They'll be kind of flaky about it, really. So you can weed people out very quickly um, and figure out what's genuine and what isn't.
0: Yeah, we do live in a era of false uh, help. <laughs> like, yeah. So many people are like, yeah, oh, yeah, no, sorry. I can't do that. Like, I mean, that even with like, hey, can you jumpstart my car levels?
1: Right. I mean, people want to do the right thing and they want to be good but they also need to take care of themselves and they need to do what is okay for them and they need to kind of back away sometimes and I you know I get that I just you know like oh I just kind of dropped that one there (laughs) yeah but I do get asked frequently about um my sex life and about what happens in that and um uh it's it's good
0: (laughs) You have a lot of relationship relations going.
1: I don't know. My sex life is it. It goes pretty well. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, things are good. Um, I wish people
0: could see that you're you're mildly blushing. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, because I don't, I don't know. I think people again, I've, and maybe it's me, my own. But I think people don't have... People
1: have a lot of questions about sexuality and uh, people with disabilities. And people get a little bit frightened of it. Um, like, if I go out with somebody new and they hear that I... Okay, if I go out with somebody new and I don't really care about them and I just want to get laid, I don't tell them that I'm disabled and we have sex and everything is great and then I don't call them again. That's a thing that <laughs> happens sometimes. <laughs> Hey, How? I have one night stands. Sometimes
0: we we evolved. and if you haven't, um, at least should have sure. one that's safe.
1: And they are safe. I've never had an STD. Uh, what? I have I, so many other diseases. I think that I've made up for it. Yeah, you. Well, I think you're getting a, a
0: free pass on the STDs.
1: Yeah. Um. So the other thing is though that if I meet someone and I do kind of think that they're interesting or nice um, or I like them, uh. uh They do usually look at me like, oh, you are like a tornado whipping through the scope of the human experience. But if they can somehow get past that, um, uh, I do tell them that I have Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. um, And I kind of explain to them what that means and that I'm hypermobile. And then I see like a flicker of excitement. And then I'm like, and I dislocate things. But then I pop them right back in and everything's okay." and you have to be a little bit careful sometimes, but I'm very communicative and everything is good. Don't worry. And sex a- sex actually feels really good for my body. If I don't have it regularly, um, my body just gets all out of whack. Um, I mean, orgasms are great for everybody. That's true. Just, yeah, um, there's no argument. The no, they're just fantastic. Um, they increase blood flow. They I don't know, they can really just align your hips and lower spine in a way that's pretty fantastic. <laughs> I mean, if we're just... No, I've, I just, I don't true. know why that
0: made me laugh. It's just like...
1: But it's true. Um, Really, there's...
0: Let's just sex out. But what is the... <laughs> wait, but I mean, like, how long, if you're dating a guy, because I mean, is that... Because, like, I was really, I was married when I was very young and and I got divorced and, like, for some reason I always felt like I had to bring that up like look then I was married twice and I'm on my third <laughs> yeah. I'm a, a, like a Gabor, right. Zsa, Zsa Gabor uh, but there's like you know there's that fucking it kind of you know when you're dating someone you know you have to bring these things up and I was always dreading it and sometimes I'm like well maybe this is just a fling and I don't have to fucking bring this up but it's like I always felt like if we were gonna get serious this is something like you know like so what is your time frame for when do you throw it out there right away
1: right away because if if they're scared off by that, then I can't date them.
0: Uh, what are the like? How is that? Because I once decided not to date a girl because she didn't like jazz music. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was like, well, how can you not like? You just blanketly don't like. But anyway, I mean,
1: there. I have not dated people for very superficial reasons, so it's not. I think
0: jazz is that. not. It's that's an. <laughs> it's like saying I don't like you know, good art museums or.
1: Oh God, that would. Probably-
0: But I mean, I know, like, but when there's something you're passionate about and somebody doesn't, like, I think also writing off an entire genre of music is absolutely just one of the dumbest things on earth.
1: Yeah, I'm still on art
0: Next to, like, bass and drum. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that... Okay. I really like music. (laughs) But I mean, uh, yeah, like, what is... That's, like, I just, that almost seems like a scenario in a romantic comedy, you having to tell somebody that and just a, a montage of the different reactions. That makes sense. That was a terrible analogy. It
1: could be. um, But I don't take it that I just tell people I don't worry about it or I don't stress out about it. I tell them like, oh, yeah, I have blonde hair.
0: Right. It's not really
1: blonde. It's I dye this.
0: (laughs) But that's a valid point. I I have
1: Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Oh, yeah. These are rings that. Keep my fingers in place, they're not really rings. It's, I mean, it's, it's the, same the same thing, thing. yeah.
0: No, I, uh, yeah, I think we put you know, and I keep saying we, it's probably just my own neuroses, yeah. but we put way too much emphasis on these things as being when it isn't what defined you. No, it is an element of your existence,
1: it is, but it is also the lens through which I view the world, so it affects every decision I make. So, I mean, it, it is a big deal, yeah. Um. So that's why it is something that comes up pretty early and that I'm very open about and just kind of very free about.
0: I guess, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, I just.
1: Yeah. I think it's weird to people because um, people discuss other forms of oppression. People discuss other forms of (laughs) oppression (laughs) way more frequently than um, ableism. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know why I got very quiet when I said ableism. Ableism, yeah. So, um, so it's just something that I think is coming to the forefront a little bit more now, um, and that people are a little bit more—by people, I mean me—a little bit more comfortable discussing now. Um, yeah.
0: But I do feel in—at least maybe it's the limited world I live in—but I feel like people are becoming more comfortable discussing not just those things but a lot of different things. Yes. And I think that's due to what you're doing and other people have done and, and you know and the activism of, behind it.
1: Yeah. There are a lot of great um there are a lot of great people with visible disabilities um out in the world now um just doing work. Uh there's I think representation is very important and I think representation in media is very important. That's another reason I did the project. Um I really like fashion I think fashion is really fun, um, and I like seeing people with disabilities represented in fashion. Um, uh, I think that Jillian Mercado is very cool. She's um, I don't know her. She uh, is a she was a stylist, and now she's a model and executive editor for um, this online fashion magazine called We the Urban. Um, and she was uh, she did some stuff at Fashion Week. Um, she models for Diesel, but she's just been featured in all of these campaigns, um, and she's uh, visibly disabled. Um, I think that there are a bunch of comedians now um, at UCB who are uh, visibly disabled. There's Santina Muha-, uh, Muha. I don't know. I don't who know who how, how her last name is pronounced. I know how it's spelled. It's M U H A. But she's lovely, and she's uh, um, she's in a wheelchair. Oh, I feel like for she's cool
0: um to people in a way even like things like transgender and certain disabilities and stuff have always sort of been in older like kind of there's always a joke about it you know what i mean that's there's always a joke about the person in the wheelchair or the person yeah with uh narcolepsy like and it's like if you have narcolepsy narcolepsy i'm sure you're like haha fucking thanks a lot guys (laughs) it's
1: like yeah um So I grew up with, um, I grew up living with my aunt who's mentally retarded. And um, I'm saying retarded because she has an IQ of 50 and she was born in the 40s and that's what she was diagnosed with, mental retardation. And she's still told that she has mental retardation and they've, I think, upgraded the diagnosis to saying mentally disabled, but we grew up saying um, Aunt Virginia's retarded. and people wouldn't come over when i was a kid um because you know virginia was retarded and there have been so many like strange things around growing up with her um and her level of communication and i even as an adult um there were some people over my house one time uh who were also adults and they made fun of her and that was
0: in a, her presence yeah yeah,
1: uh, it was a ridiculous thing to see, um, and there's a difference when you're joking about someone and how funny they are and how awesome they are for like their naivete, or and just making fun of them because yeah, it's, because they're disabled. Um, it's, it's cruel, and it's a different thing. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. It's it's pretty rough. Um, I've also had people call me retarded um, when I've used a walker uh, because when I first came to LA, um, I was considerably more physically disabled than I am now, Um, so I was using a walker a lot of the time, and when I would be out alone with the walker, um, like, somebody yelled that I was retarded from a car once. Um, People just kind of hurl insults at you, um, not really it doesn't really unless you are actually disabled you don't understand what it's like and That's... you don't really understand the weight of these things you I've said crazy a couple of times in uh in the course of this conversation and every time it's been like a little sting in the back of my head because I also have um like I have severe PTSD and I am crazy and I know that um And that's, uh, it's a slur, it's ableist um, and it's something that hurts people, um, but like I am mentally ill and like it's something that pops up a lot and actually does affect my life and that is another invisible disability. And it's something that, you know, I deal with and have to kind of like adapt my life to, uh, adapt my life to um, in certain ways where, you know, there are days when um, something will come up and then. Um, I will have to just kind of go like okay well I can't necessarily trust my brain today because today my brain is going to tell me that like that I'm worthless and that like everything is horrible and um, that there's no way out and that I have to like go hide in a hole or just completely isolate myself and um, be alone for you know the rest of my life Um, and that's not the truth that's not reality but when I start to like hear those things go off, I have to go. Okay, you can't listen to your brain. Your brain is trying to hurt you. Your brain is unreliable. Stop it. Um,
0: is the PTSD r- related to this, or is it something else? And we don't have to, no, of course, go like, into it's that. it's just
1: but... from some other stuff. Okay. You
0: know, I I have suffered from that as well. Yeah. Since I was thirteen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I I've talked about it on this, but like, I saw my father die, and it was very violent, and it's like, and it's something. That, 12 year old boy should not ever see so it, but no. it's like and it didn't dawn on me until like a few years ago even at, if i've been in therapy and at times in my life that it's like i'll just have feelings of like something bad is going to happen very irrational but i've you know i've to levels of where i'm like left parties don't leave the house and i laugh because it's quite enjoyable yeah. but i mean it's like <laughs> But it's like, but my friends would be like, what the fuck? Like, and it's like, I'm like struggling to like participate, but it's not.
1: Right. It's something that you, it's, it's legitimate and you have to deal with it. And it can be life threatening if you let it, I mean, not if you let it get to that point, but if it gets to a point where you don't deal with it or where you don't address it or where you don't get help for it or where you don't take the steps to ensure that you're safe.
0: So, yes.
1: Yeah. It's it's serious stuff.
0: Yeah. I don't, I just, I really think, <clears throat> and I don't think this is uh, judgmental or arrogant or, I mean, ignorant on my part, but I think, like, most people just don't try to understand or the world around them and other people. I think people, like you said, p- people yelling retarded, that's just fucking people not thinking and just being, ah, fucking hilarious. You know what I mean? They don't. People seem to be so. I mean, they're also
1: looking at a woman uh, with a walker on the street in Los Angeles and going, and then thinking whatever they're thinking. And they're. I think representation matters. And I think the more that they see cool women in media, however they are, um, it gives them a vision of like a walker can be cool
0: and hot. And hot. I mean you like know, a like hot you can be you can be an attractive woman yes. using a walker or mean. you
1: can be an attractive woman in a wheelchair like, I'm, you've seen Mandy in a wheelchair mm-hmm. yeah Mandy <laughs> <laughs> yeah <everyone>. hi Mandy <laughs> um yeah Mandy's great um there are many beautiful people who are disabled and I don't know it's important to be out there also, you don't have to be beautiful. Like, th- I think the pressure to be beautiful is a whole other thing. And I think that there's something a- about turning it on its head and kind of subverting the the beauty ideal is important, too, because, you know, who cares?
0: Yeah, I think that's a very important part. I mean, what you're doing, subverting the ideal of beauty, because I think, I don't know, especially in Los Angeles, where, in my opinion, Los Angeles attractive is what I call it. I don't find remotely attractive. <laughs> In the sense of,
1: so I'm from New York, and um, I'm a lifelong New Yorker. I moved here. I did not start to feel attractive until I moved to Los Angeles, which is kind of the opposite of what I've heard everybody else's experiences.
0: Interesting. And I
1: feel like part of that is because I stopped, I stopped giving a shit when I moved here. Like, I mean, I don't really care. I don't really care. I don't really care about anybody's boners. Yeah. I just don't. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it hurts. You don't have, no. I don't really care about. I'm sorry. I don't care about your boner. Um, I just, I don't. Um, like I dress how I want because it makes me happy. Um, I, I think other women appreciate it, which, I mean, I care about their boners.
0: Um, yeah. yeah. But I mean, that is to me that is what is attractive and sexy is like people who just don't give a fuck and they're who they're themselves, and that's fucking that's hotter than anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And is that, I mean, that's ultimately has that is sort of your thesis statement for what the is that safe to say? Just be yourself yourself,
1: um, just be yourself and um, take up space, don't be afraid of taking up space.
0: And uh, this actually, I'm shocked how quickly this flew by. Um, where can people find these things and where if they wish to? Uh, learn more and or about what you are doing and your message. Where may they find these things?
1: Um, you can go to hospitalglam.com if you'd like to see um, some writing and uh, photos of other people who've submitted or hashtagged things hospital glam. You can also um, track the hashtags hospital glam on Twitter or Instagram. Um, and you can also just follow me on Twitter or Instagram under Carolyn prg And that's Carolyn with a K.
0: Thank you. Thanks. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. I love you very much for making it to this end. Remember, Amazon link, donate, Twitter, write a review. Go Go to iTunes and write a review. Thank you. I love you.